So there's a global pandemic. A virus is sweeping across our world, still. And society has changed. Why is this happening? Is somebody going to do something about this? Are we going to be able to have holidays ever again? Or is it just going to be a crapshoot of whether or not you're going to have to go get a COVID test afterwards? We'll be here with you for all of that. Your personal guides on this journey, this descent into chaos. Thank you for joining us on Staring at Goats. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Staring at Goats. We're going to talk about COVID news. We're going to tell some stories. We're going to fill you in on what you need to do to survive this holiday season. Or maybe we'll just all sit around and commiserate and, you know, try to just do our best to make it through. I'm your host, Stephen, joined as always by two of the greatest co-hosts that have ever lived in the history of co-hosting, Jacob and TV's Travis. How's it going? Welcome, welcome back, gents. Welcome, audience, to the show that just won't seem to end. Uh, that just keeps and and for once, I feel like it's just getting more and more desperate. Uh, yes. The the age of, of coronavirus has become a thing that not only isn't going away, but has has found a way to skyrocket uh, yes. in a way that that I don't think any of us truly expected. I, I think we heard the warnings that winter would be bad. Uh, I don't think that we heard the warnings that winter would be catastrophic. Um, that's that's striking to me. I don't know. I feel like if you were paying attention to the actual people that should have been talking, like the <laughs> Fauci's and the uh, Deborah Burks and the other folks, they were screaming it. Just nobody was mm. listening because there were other people screaming louder. Right, and that's the problem. <laughs> There you go. Okay. Uh, they were basically yeah. saying, look, if we don't get this under control, fall is going to be awful. Winter is going to be terrible. Guys, come on. Let's get this control. We got summer. We got summer. Let's shut everything down in the summer and get this right before the fall hits because you don't want to see what happens when the fall hits. And we didn't heed their warning. So I don't know if catastrophic, I mean, catastrophic is a good word because I feel like it's, it's, it's approaching that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that would, the, the signs were there. The people, the right people were saying it. It's just they weren't being listened to. I guess I knew that it was going to be bad. So this is this is from in in my the way my mind was working around. Like, this is going to be bad. Winter's going to be bad. But are that many more people going out and being irresponsible? Like in the winter time, are just more people inside places doing stuff? And I mean, it hadn't been that cold here, Jacob. It just got worse anyway. Did winter have anything to do with it, or is it just that it's the it's holiday season? People are going to see people. Elections happen, so people stood in line with each other. I mean, is is it winter, or is it just the things we do in winter? <clears throat> um. Yes. Yes. I mean, sure. You're indoors a lot. You're going out voting this past year, where we've got uh, holiday gatherings, we've got um, holiday celebrations. I mean parties other things that we go to to celebrate the holidays because we're a social people we want to celebrate with other people and that's uh, weddings etc i mean wedding season didn't happen in the summer so what did that do it got pushed to the fall so mm -hmm. what's going to happen in the fall weddings well now here we are with fall weddings and lots of coronavirus to, to go around 
And some of it, I think, is just fatigue by people giving up the idea that we're going to stay distance. We're going to not have these gatherings. It's like, no, we've been waiting all year. We've been good. Now we're just going to go ahead and do it anyway. And we're actually going to have a good discussion about fatigue, I think, in one of the stories, because there's actually Mm -hmm. a a very striking example that happened in a four-day window that we're going to talk about a little later. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that people who were initially really good, like like let's say us three, we've been we've been pretty darn good uh, out of us in in staying relatively safe or as safe as we figure, following the guidelines we're supposed to follow, doing the things we're supposed to do. Do you think people like us are giving up and going, well, I've been good all year, and it's time to see Grandma, and I'm not going to miss Grandma Thanksgiving. And throwing in the towel or, or or putting in or like, I don't know, making it being more risky than they would have been just because it's I holiday season. Holidays, yeah, I think the holidays really bring a different factor into the equation um, that your summertime holidays don't. In part because your summertime holidays, 4th of July, people, there were people having get togethers, but you can, you're outside and you're spread out a little bit more and it's more confined and the holiday, the winter holidays also focus so much more around togetherness as opposed to just being in the same relative space as other people. It's very much about being together and with family members. Mm. So I, it, there's just so many factors that are involved in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely been a been an adventure, and we can we can roll right into the roundtable. Seeing as we don't have to interview Travis for thirty minutes in our new format, uh, we can just True. all talk about where we're at. Um, so this this I don't remember who went first last time, but I'll I'll go ahead and go first. We recently at work got uh got told that our office will be empty till June of twenty twenty one. Back in March, we were going to stay empty till June of twenty twenty. Uh, then when we realized no one was going to make this better, uh, we went ahead and said, okay, we're just going to call off the whole year. Everybody stay home. And then like a, a week ago we got told, Hey guys, go ahead and stay home till June. We, we own a pretty massive building in the middle of downtown that's going right. unused. It's basically a giant billboard for the company, but outside of that, there's not much in there. Um, securities in there, a handful of, uh, post people that do deal with the mail and packages and whatnot. They're, they're under a lot more strain cause they're having to mail out laptops for people who are having renews come in. Um, cause we do a, a laptop lease program. So everybody gets, it's a new laptop every three years. So every, they're having to send out all of them instead of just me running up to the, uh, the help desk and picking up my new laptop and going and taking them a new old one. You know, they're shipping everything. Um, yeah, I can't and imagine you have to put yours back in the box and reship yeah. it back to them. Yeah, you put yeah. it back in the box and send it back to them so they can give it back to the company we got it from. Because um, it's that's how leasing works. <laughs> we don't get to keep them. Um, so that's amazing. New hires is the same way. All new hire orientations have got to they got to get a laptop. Then they got to get all these new systems put on it without being at the building, which is usually something we do from inside. So it's like we got to ship it with all the VPN stuff already there. And like, how do we make all that work? So that's for people that are non-technical. That's really challenging for me. I, I wipe out my laptop all the time. And I'm like, oh, let me just grab the new VPN profiles, put it all in there, blah, 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 done. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're just, you know, marketing guy, <laughs> you don't really like computers anyway. That's a whole different right. 
different yeah. game. Um, not to say that all marketing people don't know computers, but you know, if you don't, you fit the bill. Um, but yeah, and our conferences are going virtual again this year, so I don't get to go to Boston and hang out with my friends and drink beer. So that's a big time bummer because I really love doing that. That's a great time. But you I, know, uh, I was in Boston. I happened to be in Boston a couple of years ago when you guys were uh, had your uh, your annual meeting there. And yeah. uh, I actually got to go out with a couple of folks. One is actually in the Two Dorks community. Um, and, Hammerdorf. Uh, yeah, Hammerdorf. And you guys, they were awesome folks. I enjoyed hanging out with you guys. I happened to be there in Boston for 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 business reasons. I think I was I was there for a week doing something else, but um yeah, it was it was it was a blast hanging out with you guys. Those are good people. So we yeah, got, yeah. Like, well, we got uh, a we got we got Jacob a ticket to the Boston Red Sox game because we were all our company there at a conference, everybody got a ticket to go see the Red Sox, and I had a friend who didn't want to go. I'm like, Can I have your ticket? I want my brother in law to go. He's like, sure. They got to go to the game for free. It was awesome. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would be great. It was yeah, very that was, cool. was fun. Fun, fun, fun. But that's it for me. I just I was trying to come up with something that felt new and fresh. And I'm like, I haven't talked about work yet. Let me tell you how that's going. We are getting we're getting a new uh there since we are all staying at home for another six months. They're like, so you guys need another uh you need another stipend uh to help you out in this time in the event, but this time it's not just, they're not just giving you a check. They're like, you got to expense something on the qualified expenses list. <laughs> like, probably smart. Cause it is Christmas. If you give everybody an extra 200 bucks at Christmas, they're not submitted in an office supplies. That's right. PlayStation. Right. are going to come to the house. <laughs> it's a PlayStation baby. So I've, I've got my eyes on a, a secret lab chair, uh, like Travis does to try to upgrade my, cause this chair the GT Racing. Don't believe anything that says these are great. This is an old. This is a DX Racer <laughs> knockoff that is. It, you're sitting on a piece of plywood. <laughs> it's not real great. So anyway, so I'll go make, next because sure. Travis. We're gonna have we're gonna have some conversations about Travis this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but mine will be fairly innocuous. So the governor uh, yesterday. Um, decided every week he holds a conference, a press conference, basically saying, here's where we are with COVID. Um, here are the state's mandates. Here are the regulations that we have in place. Here are the executive orders that we have in place. Here is what you should be doing right now. And then he has the uh, director of the Health and Human Services come on and say, um, here are the numbers. And she really dives into the numbers and goes through what's going on with with our state and, and uh, you know, how we're we're they rolled out this new map where you could see different counties and and where COVID is really uh, uh, increasing its its numbers and numbers of cases and hospitalizations. And I mean, it's she she goes through all of that, which is awesome. Once a week, and and it's uh, streamed live pretty much on all the local news channels. It's uh, um, uh, television, the major networks um, break into most programming and have it. So I mean, it's it's fairly widespread around here. And I was listening to the governor this week, and I was thoroughly impressed by that man today, uh, this week. Um, I've had, you know, a love-hate relationship with him. I've, I feel like in the past, he's made some decisions that weren't necessarily data-driven, even though he said they, he was making data-driven decisions. But overall, I feel like the guy is a pretty stand-up guy. He's a pretty quality human being. 
And um, they were talking about the rollout of the vaccinations. And so he laid out a very detailed plan about how it's going to go to um, healthcare workers first and uh, frontline workers who are going to be dispensing the vaccine and um, healthcare workers who have to deal with COVID-19 patients directly and then other healthcare workers who may be indirectly working with it but exposed to it. And so he outlined it all. And then he went through and said, okay, then we're going to go to the long-term care facilities and then we're going to go to um, – um, elderly patients that have multiple comorbidities. And, and so they started just outlining it uh, detailed and they outlined how many uh, vaccinations they're going to get uh, when the first vaccination is actually approved by the FDA. Um, so I think 85,000 units are coming to the state of North Carolina. And he said, this is how we're going to distribute them. And they were going to be given a, a weekly allotment of so many um, to, to kind of keep us going through our, our cycle. And it's going to take us roughly six months to eight months to get through a lot of the population. So unbelievably well-planned. And, um, you know what, one thing that our, the, um, uh, secretary of, um, department of health and human services, uh, the lady, what's her name? Um, Mandy Cohen, that's her name. Um, one thing she said that kind of brought reality to me was, the flu virus is something we deal with every year. And in the last decade, roughly 1,500 people have succumbed to the flu virus in a decade in North Carolina. And in North Carolina, we've seen over 5,300 deaths from COVID. So in a decade, we lost 1,500, whereas in less than 10 months, we've lost 50-some hundred. And that all of a sudden puts it into perspective. And when somebody yeah. says, oh, it's just a glorified flu. No, no. A decade's worth of flus pales in comparison. We are threefold, almost fourfold what a decade worth of flu has done to, to our culture. And I'm like, wow, that really put it into perspective for me. If you could go yeah. 40 years of the flu and not have as many deaths as you've had since March. So nine months of COVID um, that's saying something, right? Yeah. It's amazing it really how is. you can hear the numbers and kind of just hear numbers. But yeah. when you hear it in those terms, it changes the the perception. It changes everything. So I think you almost need a marketing team to work with the doctors to ensure that the messaging is impactful and that yeah. messaging is spot on in getting the attention of a few if they see it um yeah. but if they if they see it if they hear it it could get their attention and go well dang this is more than just a flu they might not change their behavior uh but they become they respect the numbers you know yeah and and you're right about messaging because they have a Q&A session so they get up there for 30 minutes they do their spiel and then they have the 30 minutes worth of Q&A from reporters around the state and one reporter uh, asked them very bluntly, he said, look, there is a subset of population that you have not reached and they don't wear masks. They don't want to wear masks. They don't believe in the uh, executive orders that you put together. What can you say to convince them? And the governor was unbelievably uh, just cool as a cucumber. I mean, he, he didn't take any digs at the political parties, which I was shocked by. Um, he was just very rational in his response and say, you know, we have to look out for our neighbor. And that's what I would argue. And he said, if you're a man of faith like me, then you live your life abiding by taking care of your neighbors. And if you don't, 
uh, that's that's counter the p- position that that you say you take. And I'm going to live what I believe, which is I need to take care of my neighbor. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of a left hook without being a left hook. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was sneaking one in there. It was. Yeah. That's pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good message to the people that haven't heard you yet. <laughs> he basically mm-hmm. said, "Practice what you preach." In a more eloquent term. It was great. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. yeah, that's, that's pretty good. good. That's pretty good. But I yeah, am. I mean, overall, that I think that's kind of what's been going through my head. It's just some numbers about you know where we're at as we're ending this year. I mean, nobody thought last year at this time that we would be here. And yeah. as we're ending this year, what is next year going to bring? And hopefully later we'll talk a little bit more about next year and what the crystal ball has. But um, yeah, those kind of put it in, in terms of not only how we should be behaving, but also um, really what what what's happened over the last nine to 10 months. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, speaking of what's happened over the last nine to 10 months, Travis, why don't, why so, don't you give, tell us a story? Yeah, I want to hear. All right. So let me tell you about how my last week has been. So (laughs) one week ago was my birthday. And I mentioned on the show, I had dinner at my parents' house. My parents live with my brother and my, uh, my brother-in-law and my sister and everything was fine. Went over there, had dinner, was there for a couple hours, came home. Um, They're pretty much the only people that I see, save for one other small group who I hadn't seen in a few weeks. So the following day is Thursday. It's Thanksgiving. So I go over there for Thanksgiving. I'm there all day. Um, and, you know, we're cooking. We're having a great time. We watch planes, trains, and automobiles. It was class. Oh, yes. You know, it's the tradition. You got to watch it. We got to sit down in my dad's nice theater in the basement. It was, it was wonderful. Uh, I had Friday off. I didn't do squat on Friday. Um, Saturday was my my weekly or biweekly uh, platelet donation. I did that. You know, I did my normal stuff. Sunday, one of the other group of people that I uh, that I see was coming over to my house to be a guest on my podcast because he doesn't have an internet connection at home, so he needs to be here in order to be on it. Cool. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't go much further just yet. Did you just say that we have somebody in the U.S. right now that doesn't have an internet connection (laughs) or access? Yeah, because that. Yeah, go. broadband internet comes within a mile of his house. Oh, but they won't go that last mile yet. The last mile that that gets you have a, to pay them money. those dollars if you yes, want that exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's he's even more rural area than I am. So, yeah. you know, it's fine. He comes into town every so often, and and he'll come over here and just you know he'll hook up his PlayStation and download updates and do all that kind of oh. stuff. And then, yeah, it's it, it can be kind of rough, but. When, he, when he's going to guest on the show, he'll come over here. So he got here. Five minutes after he got here, he was setting his laptop up. I get a phone call. It's my sister. And I had I had seen her that morning because I had gone back over to my parents' house and moved a couple of bookshelves for him. We had forgotten to do it on Thursday. She says, uh, I just wanted to let you know I had to have a COVID test and it came back positive. And I'm on the phone and I'm staring. I'm looking at Charlie. And I was like, <laughs> well, thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me know that. Um, I'll talk to you later. I hang it up and I was like, so I'm going to be downstairs and we're not going to have any direct interaction while you're here because yeah, uh, I was exposed. My sister Ted, and in her defense, a, she didn't show any symptoms. And the only symptoms she had were, um, she made a comment in passing during Thanksgiving dinner that she couldn't taste anything, 
which is a symptom of COVID, but she also has had chronic sinus issues and had to actually have some si- some surgery done. So her losing her sense of taste is not out of the ordinary. Yeah. But yeah, she had a uh, an appointment this week with her doctor. And so in order to have that appointment, they wanted her to take a test ahead of time. Oh, I was going to ask you why she decided to take a test because yeah. that's usually yeah. not something you just decide, oh yeah, I think I'm going to take a test that comes back after the holiday. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was completely a, I have to do this. So she took the test on Friday. She got her results Sunday and immediately called me. So I was like, okay, this is lovely. So I told Charlie, you know, look, I, I literally came home. I I was in the middle of cleaning things before he got there. So I'm like, the house is clean. I have showered. I'll sequester myself downstairs. We stay apart and I'm going to get a test as soon as I can. So I got a test uh, scheduled for Monday, which that was a little bit of a, a fun adventure, uh, getting a test scheduled quickly because the first place I looked, I'm like, oh, it's only a couple miles down the road. Not so bad. It was at like a Rite Aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, their earliest test was, I think today was the earliest I could have gotten a test there. And the closest Rite Aid to me that I could have gotten a test at was about a two and a half or three hour drive. Oh, geez. Oh, so I was like, all right, uh, let's find some alternative sites. I ended up finding a site, uh, a spot as a local clinic that was doing them and I could get in the next day. So I got one scheduled for the afternoon. I had to call them Monday morning and it was fine. You know, I drove up, they have me sit in my car. They come out to the car with a face shield on. I just pull my mask down below my nose and then she shoved a Q-tip in in my nose and not quite to the back of my skull, um, but certainly <laughs> further than I would normally want. Yeah, I, I was going to ask there. you, what's the sensation? What did it feel like? So <laughs> she starts to put the the swab in and she goes, now it's going to have, we're going to have to go a little deeper than you're probably used to. As she's saying that she just keeps pushing <laughs> oh, gosh. and it's enough that my left eye twitches and starts to water. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm sitting like this with one eye closed and she's just, she's like, okay, I got to hold it there. And then she starts counting. I'm like, Oh God. So she does like a 10 count and I'm just, oh, I'm like, okay. And she pulls out. She's like, okay, we're done. Thanks. And it <laughs> felt really weird. It's, it, it, I don't know how to describe the sensation because you're, you're just not used to having something foreign that far back. Because it felt like it was probably like from a profile somewhere back here, <laughs> yeah, behind my eyes. Good I don't Lord. know. It, it directly uh, into so your brain. Was, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just kind of root around in there a little bit. Um, and so then it was just sitting and waiting for the two days uh, to to get the results. And even today, I get a text message from my friend Charlie, who says, "Hey, I just wanted to see if you'd gotten any." Because he he was like, "All right, well, I'm going to go home and." I'm going to have to quarantine myself, but not tell anybody at home. So they don't panic yet because he lives with his parents. No. So he's like, I'll just quarantine myself and do my best not to say anything. And hopefully they don't freak out until I hear from you. So then he uh, calls me up and uh, he's like, Hey, I just, just checking to see if you got anything. I'm like, not yet. But as soon as I do, you'll know. And like a half hour later, I get the phone call from the clinic. And she goes, yeah, uh, just you, you got your results in and um, you're negative for COVID. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. so I can breathe again. And Charlie so was, said, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I immediately, 
<laughs> I was like, thank you. Hung up. Charlie. Hey, dude. And so he was <laughs> he was definitely relieved too. Um and I'd been outside of uh actually no, since since Sunday since he left here on Sunday, nobody's been here. I haven't left the house. Um and I'll do, you know, a few more days before I go anywhere. I, I left the I take that back. I left the house for the test, but that was it. Um yeah. and I'll I'm, you know, I'm I'm full up on provisions, so I'll I'll stick around here and not go anywhere for at least the next, you know, three, four, five days, and then probably go and get a second test just to make sure. That's probably um, fair. Like what is it, five to seven days now is the recommendation of of corn or like how quickly you would be positive, or I guess how quickly you'd be shedding the virus, not really, or symptomatic, not really yeah. how quickly you, you would test positive. Yeah, it's usually five days till your symptoms really come on. It's about three days before you're going to be able to tell on a, any kind of molecular test. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I feel pretty confident that even another test will come back negative, because if she got her test on Friday, that would mean three days before that would have been Tuesday, Wednesday. And I saw her Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So if I got exposed, this test should have, you know, shown that result. So it coming back negative, I, I feel pretty good. Plus yeah. I never, I never showed any symptoms either. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big deal. Most people show symptoms. Um, Did you maybe. have moments where you were like, <coughs> Oh, absolutely. No, it, <laughs> I, I think it's coming on. The symptoms yeah, are coming. It, totally had some psychosomatic stuff like that because I take the dog out for a walk and it's normal for me to walk in the winter when it's cold like this where when I mean, we've been getting highs of 30 degrees yeah so it's cold and get done walking him and my nose is running and so now it's like all right is my nose running because I just walked him or was it starting was I starting to sniffle before I let and I'd start overthinking everything <laughs> yeah. I get one little cough I'm eating spicy ramen and I, I try to inhale the noodle I start to cough. And it's like, oh, oh, this is this is how it ends. This this is what goes is on. Huh? So it's like when uh, uh, in the wintertime, our heat comes on. We everyone in the house, just the allergies, just Sam sneezes eight million times. You, your throat gets a little oh, yeah. scratchy. I'm like, where have we even been? Why is it, do I have the COVID? No, it happens every year. You dumb butt. It's just part of So I'm getting the ducks cleaned on Monday. I'm pumped. I'm ready to tow, oh, yeah. see if that helps. I'm sure they haven't been clean since this house was built, so that should make a difference. But no, uh, definitely, I remember springtime allergy season too. It was the same thing. Everybody I talked to is like, every time I sneeze, I think I've got COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, freaky. and then you're you're out and about, and you have allergies, and you you know you have to go get groceries or something. You're like trying so hard not to cough or sneeze or anything. Yeah, oh, it's rough. Yeah, it was this was uh, this was a rough week, just up and down. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and my throat would be a little bit dry because I fell asleep with my mouth half open. And, you know, then I'm like, oh, great. Is this the symptoms? No, no, I'm I'm fine. Five minutes afterwards, because I actually have, you know, moisture in my throat again. (laughs) I swallowed sandpaper. My sister told me when she got her COVID test done the first the first time because she's had a couple one one came up positive she's get I think she's better now um but like the did did you feel like your throat was bleeding because she said she felt like she could just taste blood in the back of her mouth after getting it done no but it definitely felt I mean it just is a weird feeling yeah I didn't I didn't feel like I was I didn't feel like my throat was bleeding yeah um, but uh, I don't know. And they must at have least used it a wasn't real sharp Q-tip. Yeah. 
I think that might have might have been it. <laughs> At least it wasn't administered by that damn robot. That's all I care about. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. a person. That was the last, first time you were on. We, we talked yeah. about that <laughs> automated system that was going to take COVID samples. Do you guys think routine negative tests will be a, a thing that we we want to have moving forward? Like, especially Christmas. Like, I'm thinking about Christmas. Thanksgiving, we've already screwed it up. People didn't do yeah, what we, they were supposed mm -hmm. to. We're just completely, we're going to see case after case fly up in the next week and a half. Uh, but do okay. you think prior to Christmas, people will be more like, go, you know, before I go home, let's all let's all see if we can get a negative test and then chill for three or four days and then, then come to the, the Christmas party. I think responsible people will because my friend Charlie, the one that was here, he had traveled earlier this year. Um, but what he did was he quarantined himself for, I think, a week and a half prior to traveling, got a test in during that mm -hmm. traveled. And then when he got back, he basically got off the plane, got to his house, went into the into his room and didn't leave for two weeks. Yeah. So he was responsible with it. And sure, I think responsible yeah, yeah. people will do that. I think there'll, there'll be a lot of people that will think, oh, you know what? I am going home for Christmas. I am going to see family. I should do the test. But there's going to be a lot of people that don't because they just don't care. Or don't think they had any chance of getting it. That too. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a combination of uh, the ignorance of like, oh, I, I haven't had any exposure or don't think I have. And then people that just don't care either way. They're just like, yeah. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Stephen. I, I kind of feel like there are, we're in two camps right now. It's the people that are truly taking this seriously, and they're the people that are saying, "I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to let this control me. Uh, this is this is not going to be the end of America. It's not going to be the end of me." And that's the where we're at. And I don't think that those are the people that are going to get the test. Why are we so, why is it that we're so good at a, as a people of not thinking anything can happen to us? <laughs> like when, you see people dying left and right who all say, I wasn't worried about nothing. Uh, but we say, well, I'm not worried about nothing because I'm not that guy. Uh, it's like the reason people keep smoking. <laughs> you, you smoke, yeah. you smoke, you know that it could kill you, but you're like, yeah, that happens to other people. Why, why do we, That's why do we do that? Because it's so easy to say it happens to other people and it's not going to happen to me. And I'm not going to be that statistic because, you know, damn it, I'm better than that. Um, yeah. Speaking as someone who smoked for a while. <laughs> that was your, your justification. Like, Surgeon General can't tell me what to do. F this rapper. <laughs> well, I need to save up for was a my Marlboro inner tube. <laughs> it was a little bit of that, a little bit of the... Uh, well, this is relieving the anxiety and the depression, so it helps. Yeah, um, worth it. Trade off. And, you know, a little bit of that uh, that Northern European blood of like, hey, look, if it's my time to die, it's my time to die. <laughs> oh, Vikings, you guys. <laughs> or Scotsmen or whatever you guys are. Both. Um, yeah. No, it's, I was thinking about those rappers on the cigarettes. When I was a kid, we had a du dual inner tube that my grandma won from turning in her Salem menthol lights, uh, <laughs> packet little wrappers. You'd save up enough of them and you could win stuff. And she got a giant Salem inner tube that we would take to the pool. <laughs> I'm like a kid Salem. floating around, <laughs> floating around on this <laughs> double inner tube with Salem cigarettes logos on the side. That's oh, beautiful. Yeah. That it just was, feels right, Steve. Alabama, that just feels good. It was perfect. I mean, it's a massive I inner think, tube. <laughs> I think at least some of it has to just be that 
that you always think it it won't happen to me, right? It, yeah, that stuff happens, but it happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the those are the people that get behind the wheel after they've had a few drinks because oh, I'm not drunk, I'm just buzzed, and and I won't get into an accident, and then they run a red light and t-bone somebody. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's easy to have that mentality. Again, I'm speaking from experience here. <laughs> sure. And so there's probably a, a evolutionary component to the whole thing, too. Like, you don't want to sit around and think all the time, like, everything I do could lead to my death. Like, that's just not, that doesn't lead to a very productive life. So I'm sure there's no. there's some component to it that's like, I don't want to think about this could get me. So I don't think about this could get me because what's, then I don't do anything. Um yeah, and Zapo actually brings up a good point as well. It's delayed consequence, right? Sure. It's it's mm-hmm. like if if the dog pees in the corner and you don't immediately rectify the situation and show him that he's not allowed to pee in the corner, and you do it five hours later, then the dog's not gonna I mean, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's the dog's learn. not gonna understand what the uh what the consequence of that action was. Just like if you smoke that cigarette for five years and then you know, no consequence comes to you for seventy five years, right? Or yeah, yeah, seventy like, years or whatever. So I learned the uh, yesterday when I was putting in a smart switch that turning the breaker off before doing that's a great idea. Uh, Do that, Stephen. Yeah. I don't want my mm-hmm. rotato electrocuted. Well, it happened a couple to couple good jolts in my finger, and I was like, "Oh, better not do that again." And then I managed to. I created Mister Arky Arkerson for just a second. It went <laughs> so bow, 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 and the light, the 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 light in the foyer turned on and off, and that turned the breaker off though. So that handled it. I mean, the good uh, news is, is that you shut the breaker <laughs> off. The bad news right. is that you did it, <laughs> you did it after. electrically instead yeah. of uh, yeah. with the switch. <laughs> hey, the smart switch works, though, and it's really cool. And I, I texted my dad right after that. I was like, hey, just nearly electrocuted myself. You taught me well uh, because he's basically done that over and over again throughout my entire life. It's a long way to the garage to flip a breaker, y'all. I mean, come on. Got stuff Steven, it's to like do. head feet. Stop it. <laughs> got, got things to get done, man. Things need to get done. We'll think about it later. The worst part of that is when you when you grab onto something that's electrified and yes. your brain says let go sure. and your hand is like, I can't. <laughs> Thank God for alternating current. God bless you, yes. uh, Nikola Tesla, <laughs> for making that a thing. Because, oh boy. If not, you. We, we would all be dead people. And Edison wanted to argue that direct current was the, or the alternating current was the thing that was going to kill us all. Right. <sighs> oh, to be a simple world again. All right, let's do some news, y'all. All right. Also, I'm glad you're better, Travis. I'm glad you don't have a problem. You're all right. Yes. From, yeah, from thank the- you. I am, I am also. <laughs> good, good, good. Coronavirus surge in New Mexico leads hospital officials to warn they are running out of beds. This is not just a New Mexico thing. It's definitely an everywhere thing, but this story is New Mexico in particular. Over the past two weeks alone, the state has seen nearly a 90% increase in coronavirus-related hospitalizations. Dr. Rohini McKee of the University of New Mexico says our hospital is full and we are very close to running out of ICU and regular beds. Uh, Given the numbers we've seen over the past few weeks, our healthcare system is going to be overwhelmed. But our behaviors will determine how long that system is going to be under overwhelmed, which I thought was a pretty cool quote. Is how long is it going to be a problem? Uh, meanwhile, yeah. Presbyterian Healthcare Services, nine hospitals in the states, are reportedly operating at 110% capacity. Wow. We're out of Jeez. ICU beds, uh, they said. We really are totally full. Um, 
It's not the only state. One hospital official in Alabama, for instance, warned this week that the state's recent increase in coronavirus cases, what she described as a tidal wave, could soon overwhelm hospitals in the state. She says, we've been very cautious not to use alarmist terminology. Uh, We've been very cautious to always try to be scientifically accurate in our communications, but I think this is a time we need to start thinking about tidal wave imagery, tsunami imagery. Um, and one thing that we, we look at when we see these stories, this is me ad-libbing now, but once we see these stories, we think beds, 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 beds. What we need to think is first responders, caregivers, people that are taking care of these people, like nurses, 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 uh, doctors, 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 because every bed is in a ward that a handful of nurses are taking care of. And the more people that are in there, the, you know, and we're talking about COVID, but if you have a heart attack, you need a place to go too. You need that mm-hmm. bed. You need that bed yeah. in a, pre- a case of a preventable disease is keeping you from getting your heart attack dealt with. That's a problem y'all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish we, we put that messaging out there more so that people understood it's not about taking care of COVID patients. It's about the COVID patients could have been avoided so that these stroke patients could get taken care of. Because if they can't get a bed, they can't get a bed. You're airlifting them somewhere or they're dying in the lobby. Or you're moving a COVID person somewhere else and saying, go home. Best yeah. of luck. Which is what Italy had you to know, do, right? That's the argument I need to give my parents for them to take things a little bit more seriously than they do. They do a decent job, but my dad has had a heart attack and my mom has had a stroke. And I need to tell them, like, look, this is the problem because this could happen again. Oh, yeah. That's just scary. It's scary to th- think about. Well, Travis, just up the road from us here in, in Raleigh, in Greensboro and Winston-Salem, uh, they're actually one of the the groups of, of or one of the areas that's at 100% max capacity. Um, their ICUs are full. And they're sending patients to, they're trying to figure out where they could send patients um, in their local regional hospitals. Because, you know, some of them are 90% full, some of them are 100% full. So they're trying to desperately shift people around. But imagine if you got COVID or if you had a heart attack or if you got had anything happen to you. And then somebody looks at you and says, we're all full here. You got to go 110 miles to the big city to go to, to get treated. Yeah. Ugh. No, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you nope, die. You just, you just die. That's yeah. that's all that that's all you can do. Um, yeah. So I, I would really urge folks to, if you've got somebody to talk to, that you can tell them this is why you avoid COVID because you need to avoid COVID so that you're not in a bed one day when someone else is having a stroke and needs medical attention they can't get. And hospital rides are or uh, ambulance rides are expensive, y'all. Uh, if you need to be taken from a hospital to another hospital, they will not let you drive yourself. Once yeah. you're nope. in, you're in. Stephanie got a cat bite at one point, and they took we took her over to the emergency room because it got real infected. And they were like, "Yeah, you need to go to the main hospital so they can put you on an IV antibiotic because you got a major cat bite infection." And we were like, "Well, can we just drive over there?" And they're like, "Oh boy, um, <laughs> you're in the system now." <laughs> but they were like, "We're we're an auxiliary or a." We're a remote emergency room for the same hospital chain, and we've never done this before, but we have a new process where you can drive yourself, but we need you to fill out these forms, and you have to arrive there in 30 minutes. <laughs> We're like, oh, man. Okay, so we get there, and it's like even more confusion because they're like, what did you do? And we're like, the <laughs> hospital over there told us we could drive. And they're like, hold on a minute, and like left for 45 minutes, finally came <laughs> back, and we're like, okay, we got it figured out. Like, where were you? Like, where did you go for 45 minutes? Like, come on. You interrupted their poker game. 
Yeah, that's right. what happened. Yeah, yeah it was late burned. at night. What, what are you doing? Everybody here is asleep. Well, speaking of messaging, by the way, you were talking about messaging to your family. The White House is changing their tune a little bit, too, right now. And I don't know if it's truly the White House or if it's just the coronavirus task force going rogue, but there is strong messaging coming out of the White House right now. We are in a very dangerous place, in quotes. Uh, the White House Coronavirus Task Force issued extremely dire warnings to states in weekly reports this week, urging public health officials to circumvent state and local policies amid record high hospitalization cases, deaths, uh, and fears of uh, surge upon uh, the surge that Thanksgiving generated. Um, the COVID-19 risk to all Americans is at a historic high. Uh, the National Daily COVID Incident after Memorial Day, but before the summer surge was at less than 2,500 per day. 25,000. Or 25,000, sorry. Now we're at 180,000 new cases a day. Um, inpatients were fewer than 30,000, but now are over 90,000 per day. Um, and fatalities have more than doubled. Uh, we are, quotes, we are in very dangerous place due to the current extremely high COVID baseline and the limited hospital capacity. A further post-Thanksgiving surge will compromise COVID patient care as well as medical care overall, end quote. In a dramatic escalation, the task force, which has recently pleaded uh, in the, the last few weeks to state health officials to enact tighter mitigation strategies, including mask mandates among indoor dining restrictions. Um, they urged public health officials to take matters into their own hands. Basically, look, your politicians are not doing the job. Public health officials, you need to do your job now. Um, so that, that that's what they're encouraging to do. Uh, the report offered these, this advice. It must be made clear that if you are over 65 and have significant health conditions, you should, uh, you should not enter any indoor public space where anyone is unmasked due to the immediate risk to your health. You should have groceries and medications delivered. If you are under 40, you need to assume you became infected during the Thanksgiving period if you gathered beyond your immediate household. Most likely, you will not have symptoms. However, you are very dangerous to others, and you must isolate away from anybody with increased risk of severe disease and get tested immediately. I don't know. Is everything all right over there? I'm sorry, audio oh, listeners. I got, a, I, got a, I got a baby that's knocking on the door, and I'm trying to read a story. <laughs> uh, the bottom line is, is that they're telling people that that if you're under 40 or if you're 40 years old, assume that you're infected. If you're 65, don't don't go out. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Get your groceries delivered. Get your stuff delivered. Um, this is not a good place to be. Essentially, is what they're what they're ultimately telling us. And this is one of the first public uh, statements from that coronavirus task force since Atlas left. Yes. Um, Atlas no, being the infamous up. rise up uh, leader of the, yeah. the coronavirus task force. When Michigan said to wear your mask, he said rise up, which is the opposite of what someone who cares for the public health should do. So, this yeah, is so this is this is them, I think. I can't help but wonder, and and I don't I don't want to go too deep into it, but I can't help but wonder if there is it is we're going to see more of this as it becomes more evident that these people aren't going to have a job uh, come right. January twentieth. If we see more people start to 
and this will be shameful because you should have been doing the right thing to begin with, no matter who your boss is. Uh, but starting to say what they think like this, you know, like if you're, if your government and your state isn't doing the right thing, health departments in the state, you need to do the right thing. Um, yeah, which is kind of like, it's like a rebellion. Uh, that kid is so happy. Look at that. Look at that yes, kid. If you're not on the audio sh- or if you're not watching the show live, you're missing the, the, the happiest kid. He's up so late and he's just so tickled about it. Uh, he's like, I'm getting away with something. Let me podcast as soon as possible and steal daddy's headphones. This is great. This is great radio. <laughs> great radio. Well, you know, it, some of that has got to be some of this like messaging finally coming from this tra- task force. It, it's senioritis, right? It's the look. Sure. We're probably out of here in a month anyway. So we're finally <laughs> going to say the right thing because we don't, you know, we don't have the fear of we're going to get fired for saying it. Like, Do they get points me, for I'm that? Done. Do they get points no. for that though? Is there any redemption for them to have sat on their their hands or been told to sit on their hands for nine months and then finally be like, "Hey, y'all, uh, it's dangerous." Like, I mean, no, you, you don't get points for that. But you know, better, better late, late than, than never. never. Sure. Like, I understand because I understand it. Like, fear is a powerful motivator, and if you're afraid that the guy that employs you is uh is is unhinged and will go off on a moment's notice and you'll lose that job that you've worked hard for uh it's hard to speak up it's it's an abusive relationship all these people these people that want to do the right thing are in an abusive relationship with uh with the current administration so it's rough so I'd, I'd like to present a different opinion on this one i would love i believe that the people in the coronavirus task force actually have been trying desperately to get policy makers to listen to them. Um, they have uh, daily, uh, weekly calls with governors on Monday mornings um, where uh, Mike, uh, Mike Pence is the one who runs those, but the coronavirus task force is the one who, who primarily presents. And I believe that they've been communicating very strong messages to those people. I think they've tried to communicate strong messages to the country. When they've communicated strong messages, they've been sidelined. Think about Dr. Fauci. Think about Deborah Birx. They both were sidelined when they started presenting very strong messages. Then all of a sudden, the administration brought in people like Scott Atlas, who had his own opinions about how we should deal with coronavirus. And again, they were sidelined. And the only person that you really heard from was Scott Atlas. So all of a sudden, the messaging came from somebody that was very sympathetic to the views of the White House. It wasn't sympathetic to the views of what was going on in those coronavirus task force meetings. And now that he's gone, all of a sudden, the task force is the one that's in charge again, because you don't have that message coming from Scott Atlas and from Donald Trump. You have the message coming from the people who are on that task force again, which clearly articulates that we're in dire straits over here, guys. We've been saying this for a long time. Just our message has been muted by the people up top. Uh, I don't necessarily know that they haven't been saying it. I just don't know if we've been able to hear it. That's probably, that's probably a good, a good point. We've been, we've been saying it. They were just shackled by the bottleneck. So like you tell the people up in charge and they're like, we're the only people that are allowed to talk to the media. And you're like, okay, well, here's the stuff. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't fit our story. Uh, so, no. 
Uh, yeah. We're going to we're do something else. I mean, that's what you do in a business. If you're Toyota and wheels are falling off your car, you might be like, whoa, 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 let's not just tell everybody wheels are falling off. Let's say that a small percentage is developing a mechanical failure that could lead to injury and mm-hmm. then recall 850,000 cars. <laughs> like that's 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 what you do. It's messaging. Like we, I feel like we've got a theme this episode: messaging, messaging, messaging. Yeah, and and while I would say that they don't, I would still say they don't get points for finally saying something when they haven't said anything for a long time. That's as a whole, as an entity for the task sure, force, because yeah. it's been hamstrung. Like it's a in you mentioned it, saying you know that that's how a business would be run, but but we're not talking about a business. This is a country. <laughs> And that's not how you run a country. So that's my, that's probably my biggest issue. Sure. Sure. And, and part of this is, is who the, who is the messenger for the longest time? I feel like the last few months, um, the messenger had, had presented a slightly different, uh, position. And now that we find ourselves truly in dire straits, um, all of a sudden he's like, (laughs) peace out guys, I'm going to resign because, uh, Woo doggy, was I wrong? Um, that, I don't know. I don't know why he resigned. I, I kind of put words in his mouth there, but at the same time, it, it's it's pretty evident that uh, the leader of the coronavirus task force, who's been downplaying this for the last three months, resigns after we see an explosion of COVID cases, and deaths, <laughs> yeah. and hospitalizations. Right, it's at the peak of yeah. it. Well, I'm gonna peace out, y'all. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah. Didn't captains yeah. uh, used to go down with the ship? Isn't that how this is supposed to work? And he's just like, hey, man, yeah, the boiler just blew downstairs. Oh, cool. Uh, Grab me a lifeboat. Um, I'm peace out. Y'all have fun. (laughs) Maybe maybe he had a swinger convention to get to. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Maybe he was late for the... Just read it. My uh, favorite story. So at least 41 people who attended a swingers gathering in New Orleans in November have tested positive for the coronavirus, according to the event's organizer. One of the attendees was hospitalized in serious condition, but has since been released, said Bob Hannaford, the organizer of the annual Naughty and Nolans Swinging Ga- Swingers Gathering. <laughs> Most of the cases were asymptomatic or very mild, he said. Uh, and then he goes on to say, if I could go back in time, I would not produce this event again. <laughs> really? You don't say. Great job. Uh, I wouldn't do it again if I knew what I knew now. It weighs on me and will continue to weigh on me until everyone is 100% better. Uh, Naughty in Nolens was much smaller this year with more restrictions. While some 2,000 attended last year, it was only 250 people checked in to the uh, hotel for the first day of the event. Masks were worn. Social distancing was enforced, which confuses me and seems counterintuitive, but okay. Glory holes, baby. Glory holes. Right. The they, other one. Um, they didn't um, hear about it, man. Yeah. Oh, contact they- diaries. They were keeping contact diaries. Uh, attendees were tested for the virus or antibodies before the gathering, he wrote. Over 50% of our attendees had the antibodies, and many of the rest got tested right before the event, he wrote. In, in almost every case, they admitted to us that they were super diligent the first two days, Wednesday and Thursday. Then they relaxed a little bit on Friday, and then they just finally said, Screw it. It's the last day we met and, and admitted to a lax effort on the final day is probably why they ended up positive. No, I'm shocked. Shocked. Well, not that shocked. No, I, I, so I struggle with stories like this because I don't have an, even a small compartment of my brain that understands swinger culture. 
Like I don't, it's, and it's, it's not saying that I, you, you can't do what you want to do, do what you want to do. I just have a really hard time factoring in how a place like this works and what you do. And I feel like I need to have a conversation with someone to better understand them. Or maybe I don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, there's not much to it. Think of uh, a speed dating event only, sure. um, this, the 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 five minutes of speed dating isn't mm-hmm. just asking questions. Okay. Oh, okay. I understand. <laughs> Stephen is naive on your bingo card, everybody. Uh, okay. No, I get it. I, I mean, so, I don't get it, but that's fine. We talk about being lax, though, and this is what I don't get. I mean, we're, how do you get lax at a four-day convention? <laughs> we're talking about getting lax over a nine-month window of time where we've been stuck in our houses. And what we're talking about is getting lax after, well, I'm not able to bag Joe, uh, Sally Joe over there. So <laughs> I think I'm just going to relax my uh, standards over here. Yeah, well, I really don't know if she or he is is really into this or are really taking care of themselves. But they're pretty hot and I think they're interested in me. Yeah, so let's right. do this. That's the thing. Your timeline is shrunk down because hormones are introduced into the There situation. it is. <laughs> and that changes everything. Uh, and it's, it's also the famous Robin Williams quote of, of God gave man a penis and a brain and only enough blood to work one at a time. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much how it works. It's like, well, I don't really want this. It, the logic is getting in the way. So we're just going to shut that off real quick. Uh, and it, when alcohol is involved, the first thing that goes away is your inhibitions. Your frontal lobe starts cutting yep. off. Alcohol's like, yeah, that's not necessary anymore. We're going to go ahead and turn that off. All right, now do whatever <laughs> you want. <laughs> yeah, so you do, you, you're you good for a couple of days, and you're like, all right, I've been good. I, sure. I'm around all of this. Sure, mm-hmm. why, forget it. Got one day left. Nothing. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to get my gratification now, Yeah. and future me can deal with whatever happens. And I have and goals. Half of them, yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing that made me a little bit frustrated listening to you read this article was he was like, I am going to feel so bad until all of the attendees are better. You kind of neglected all the attendees' families and sure. all of the attendees' yep. co workers and all of the attendees' social circles that uh, all of a sudden now have to deal with this and it could explode. You could be feeling bad until the end of this pandemic, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to call and check in on every one of these people and like, hey, how many people in your near circle are now infected because you were uh, you were being dumb? uh, That's right. Shenanigans is what I call. Sure. And really what this is, is it's a smaller scale version of the Sturgis bike rally. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the bikers were like, ah, we're just going to do our bike rally anyway. And they all went to Sturgis and look at how that exploded because Mm -hmm. none of them thought ahead enough about how that's going to spread. Yeah. That's Sturgis, what you got going on here. You could even argue Sturgis was pretty not safe, but safe-ish. Because if you're riding bikes outside and you weren't at the bar, you're in a pretty good space. You're going 60, right. 70 miles an hour down the highway. You're not picking up coronavirus from that. It's the it's the spending time in the bar inside that's what got people. Um, yeah, let's face yeah. it. I, I you don't go to Sturgis to go on a 65-mile bike trip. You I go know. to Sturgis to go visit the people, go visit the <laughs> bars, go enjoy yourself, uh, go enjoy other people around you. And, yeah, you don't go to Sturgis for the bike rides. 
No, I'm reminded of the the Daytona video from All Cats No Brakes. Yes. <laughs> I can just see that in Sturgis, but with motorcycles you know, instead. Oh, that guy's just, a national treasure. He really is. I just wonder. I mean, I can't go see a movie in a theater where there's like five people there right now. Right? You can't do that, and yet New Orleans is letting this guy organize an event for 250 people to all get together and just have a, a giant rolling orgy for a weekend, <laughs> yeah. which is just what I assume it is. I'm sure it's not actually that, but all I, I just picture a giant ball of elbows and feet <laughs> <laughs> roaming the halls. It's, 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 it's a big, huge ball of dust that you see running in the, car, in the cartoons where arms and legs are everywhere. Exactly. That's what all is I that? Picture. Oh, that's the swinger convention. It's on the move. <laughs> <laughs> we're, go- we're going from the New Orleans hotel to the New Orleans bar. It's, bas- no. it's basically just Dragon Con without the costumes. That's that's kind of what you're, you're looking at. It's true. It is true. <laughs> hey man, uh, massless customers getting upset outside a Miami restaurant. Uh, they broke the water line after they were denied service. Seems you know seems practical. I'm so bad that you wouldn't let me in without a mask. I I broke your water. Um, caused th- hundreds of dollars worth of damage after being denied entry for not wearing a mask. The owner of Mischievous, I guess it's like mischievous, mischievous, on Biscayne Boulevard says the incident started around 6.30 p.m. when four people became upset after not being allowed inside the business for not having masks. It's a Dade County mandate. It's the law. It clearly says it on the front door, said Brian Mullins, owner of Mischievous. Uh, instead of walking away, Mullen says the two young men burst a water line near the entrance of the business. The moment was captured on surveillance video. Uh, at the point they go under the camera, you can't see exactly what happens. But we have a water line out front for a water spigot, and they broke, and water started shooting out to Biscayne Boulevard. Minutes after the incident, Mullen posted a surveillance video on the mischievous social media account, asking if anyone recognized the group. Hundreds of people saw the post and commented, ultimately leading to a resolution. Yay, the internet does a good thing. I know, right? <laughs> Finally. Three members of the group came to Mischievous on Sunday to apologize and offer to pay all damage. Here's the kicker. They're all younger kids, and we're just going to chalk this up to a life lesson, said Mullins. G- teenagers are stupid. They do stupid things. They run around, tip porta potties. They break things. They're just, and probably the ones that did it, one of them was the mastermind, and the other two were just idiots who happened to be there at the time. That's the way I usually see it when these kinds of things happen. There's usually one idiot kid and two people who were unsure, and maybe one kid who was like, don't do that, and it's already too late. They're all running. They're all afraid. They're all going to get in trouble. Uh, And I actually envision younger kids than this. I mean, the the article says they were younger kids, so I'm assuming they weren't like these 17, 18-year-old teenagers. I was assuming they were probably 12, 13, 14-year-old idiots that weren't weren't even at that decision-making stage in their life yet. <laughs> they don't even know. Yeah, and it says the younger kids is a quote from the the owner, so it's not really a newspaper quote, so I don't know what he viewed as younger kids. Could be yeah. 15, 14, could be 12. Either way, not old enough where they should know better, but maybe not old enough to have really understood the, the impact of what they were about to do. I think that's, that's right. where it comes in with, with these kinds of things. It's not so much you didn't know there would be consequences. It's you didn't know how much of a consequence you were about to cause. And yeah, you generally yeah. don't think ahead that well when you're that young. Uh, it, it, I, speaking in I a mean, I absolutely Right. And I absolutely love this article for that reason. Sure. The, the owner of the restaurant went, oh, my goodness. 
you guys figure out a way to pay for this. No harm, no foul. Let's make sure that this doesn't happen again. Rather than calling the police, sending them to to some kind of court-based system where they had to show up with their parents and try to figure out whether or not they're they're going to have to pay damages and do community service and blah, 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 blah. I mean, maybe they should have, but I feel like, the, the, you know, at the end of the day, they, they, uh, they were able to resolve this without too much of a, of a impact to those kids. Some well, things are a handshake, man. It's just a handshake yeah, agreement. I look, I screwed up. What can I do to make this right? Go to jail? No, that's not going to make this right. Let me pay for this. Let me make sure that I don't do it again. Let me go back and help you wash some dishes or something like that. I'm sure they've got some handshake type of deal worked out where they come in and help them once a week or something. I don't know. I'd make them do my laundry every week. For yeah, wash my but, car. Yeah, wash my you look car. At what they did, they they wrecked a water line and spilled some water out in the street. What they hurt was the business and shut them, you know, possibly shut them down for a day or something. Yeah. So let him sort it out. The the police don't need to be involved in this because nobody nobody was physically hurt and nothing beyond a little bit of water spill. You know, it's the spilled milk thing. Yeah. If the so, kids are willing to do that, I feel like the, yes, the yes. court systems obviously need to get into involved if the kids weren't weren't going back and saying, look, we've we screwed this up, guys. What can we do to make this right so that we don't have to go to juvie? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not For everything like breaking a water line. Yeah, we've got an incarceration problem in the U.S. as it is. Not everything requires jail time. Like, there's got to be something else that you could just be like, whoa, 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 let's do this. But anyway, uh, to finish up the article, the owner of Mischesia says that we're barely able to hang on to get a shutdown for a day is a problem. For a week, we might not bounce back from it. So it was definitely an impact to their business because especially when you're a restaurant in today's times, like you've only got so much seating now because you're limited on how many mm-hmm. people you can have inside. Sure, people are picking up food and doing DoorDash, raise his hand, uh, like crazy. But, you know, they, it, still, it still impacted them a lot, a lot. I want to go back to trivia so I can make I sure Cloud yeah. Brewing stays in business and I get my beers and my wings yeah. with my bros. <laughs> I'd love to go to a bar. And if you were in the U.K., you may be able to go to a bar. A bar applies to become a church to get around COVID rules. <laughs> this is God bless you, UK. <laughs> a tequila bar has sought divine intervention in order to stay open under the new tier systems. 400 Rabbits Tequila and Mezcal Cocktail Bar in Nottingham registered to become the Church of the 400 Rabbitism. <laughs> After it was confirmed that the city would be going to the harshest lockdown measures of tier three in all tiers, places of worship can stay open through, although in tier three areas, you must not attend with or socialize with anyone outside of your household or support bubble. So the owner of the bar, James Aspel. Um, had his mind blown by worshipers known as buddy believers registering their entrance to join the new religion from as far as Kazakhstan to New Zealand. He posted <laughs> photos of his formal application to make his closed bar an official meeting place uh, for worship services and will have to prove to the registrar that the church has a following. Um, the government has said we shall adapt, and so we have. <laughs> <laughs> this is so clever. 
it would allow us to remain open in all tiers according to new governor guidance. While the application is obviously meant to be tongue-in-cheek, it is meant to shine a light on the contradictory nature of the new tier system and the unfair targeting of hospitality industry. Which, I mean, yeah, they, they definitely have a leg to stand on when, when you look at it like in this light. Um, mm-hmm. But let's face it, Stephen, we just read an article a few weeks ago, what, 50% of the, the transmissions occur in, in restaurants? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it. I understand why you're pissed off. I understand why the hospitality industry is severely hit by this. But at the same time, when you have a, a large percentage of, of transmissions occurring in the hospitality places, eh, you might want to to curb those places or at least maybe not shut them down, but restrict them substantially. And this is yeah. the opposite of like the Supreme court case that we just went through here with New York city where New York city, they have to allow religious services to happen because they were being harder on them than they were on the restaurants and gyms and, and hotels. At least the way I, I read it, um, which mm. I think everyone should stop going to these places altogether for a while. You guys come on. Uh, but mm. it's it's that same argument. Like, why are you treating these people different, even though the same amount of people visit either of these places? Um, it's it's they kind of deserve to have it stuck to them, you know. Like, take that. Yeah. Somebody yeah, needs like, to show like them any, the absurdity. Yeah, like any good absurdist joke that it's perfectly done that way. So yeah, well done. I yeah. applaud this, and I support this weirdo rabbitism uh, religion that they've stood up in this church. It's- it's funny. Yeah, so in the yeah. UK bars are trying to uh, desperately to be churches. Travis, what's happened in the US? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a California pastor temporarily turns his chapel into a strip club to be deemed essential. Uh, so, <laughs> since the time uh, various shutdowns, stay-at-home orders, and et cetera, were enacted, uh, the list of businesses and activities considered essential has been illogical at best. In California, marijuana dispensaries and liquor stores have remained open, while gyms and churches have been shut down. Multiple churches in California have sued over the shutdown order and their, their non-essential designation, arguing that shutting down churches violates the First Amendment. Others have continued to hold indoor services despite the shutdown order. Strip club owners in the state have also challenged the shutdown order in court, saying that their businesses are legally protected speech guaranteed by the First Amendment. It's a stretch, but okay. Yeah, whatever. On on November 12th, a San Diego Superior Court judge ordered that uh, that county to temporarily, temporarily reopen strip clubs pending a full hearing at the end of the month after an initial hearing in a case brought by two strip club owners. Since being able to provide live adult entertainment is a protected right in at least one county for at least a few weeks, might churches be able to, do, to use this ruling to their advantage? Well, Pastor McCoy... Open Sunday service, he chuckled and said, I want you to know what's about to transpire is Governor Mike Huckabee's fault. He said the scene by uh, he set the scene by playing a clip from Hannity in which Governor Huckabee said a church could announce that their pastor would remove his tie during the sermon. And since he was taking off an article of clothing, that would make the church a temporary strip club, and therefore it would be legal for their parishioners to attend services. And then McCoy took it further. He actually danced to striptease music. And not only did he take off his tie, he threw it into the audience in which some members were holding up dollar bills for their multi-talented pastor. <laughs> I mean, commit to the bit, right? Like if you're going <laughs> to go, go, go full, go for it. 
I mean, I mean, if you're gonna like, go for it, do more than just a tie, though. Come on, yeah, you gotta. Yeah, if you're true. gonna go, yeah. let's go, baby. Let's do this thing. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> at least going. go topless. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. It, this stuff just it just drives me up the wall because they'll they'll <laughs> argue spirit of the law versus letter of the law all day long, and then take advantage of it in the same way they say you're not supposed to take advantage of it. And I just it makes me crazy. But I, well, you it know. Is- Whatever, it is man. the exact same thing the the bar in the UK is looking sure. to do from the other side of right. it. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just it's it's that practice what you preach thing though, man. Like <laughs> if you're if you say I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna do it. I get I get I just get all ornery about it. Because there's just when the when the government all day long, all day long they'll say when the government says to do something, you do it because God puts the government in place, so you have to do it. But then when it disagrees right. with what they want to do, they just go, Oh, well never mind for this thing. That's that's wrong. That's wrong. I have lots yeah. of thoughts and things to consider about this whole this whole shenanigans. It's it's you know whatever. Yeah, definitely, but but I have to give him some credit for if he's going to make the, the tongue in cheek joke, like yeah, points for creativity and saying, all right, fine, you know, I just consistency. There, there needs to be consistency in the rulings by these courts. I think is yeah. the biggest thing. You make it. You make a solid point. Yeah, it's it, they they need to decide what the law is and try to wrap it up so that it's not so flippy floppy. But we've never dealt with anything like this. So you try to come up with how to rule on the side of this, and it's all executive orders, which are not really laws anyway. They're just orders mm. that say we're going to to do this thing, but they're not. How enforceable are they? They're enforceable, but by who? And once you get to the courts, the court now has to interpret an executive order, which may not really be that ironclad. Like a, a law would have had to go through a lot more rigorous review from two houses of, of most states. Before it ever gets signed, and this is just going, don't have 25 people in your church. Like, well, okay, but what's a church? Have you defined church? No, we didn't define church. What is a church? That We would have defined it if it was a law, because we would have had to. Um, mm. So I think there's just a, that's the problem with executive orders and trying to make this kind of stuff happen without the benefit of legal process. So, guys, we're we're talking a lot about shutdowns. We're talking a lot about, you know, restaurants being open and strip clubs being open and liquor stores being open and gyms shut down or churches shut down or churches not shut down or people that are trying to game the system by saying, oh, no, we're a church, even though we're a bar. And no, 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 we're a strip club, even though we're a church. And I mean, we've got a lot of this discussion right now. What should we be doing? You should you should generalize and not be like, oh, you're a church or you're a bar or a gym and have all these categories. You should be like, if you're a building that people can go in, base it on square footage. I mean, like, like say something along the lines of you got a thousand square feet. You're only allowed 20 people within a thousand square feet. That's kind of small, but you know what I mean? Like, give it yeah. some sort of metric to go on that doesn't make it a argument like if you're a bar or you're a church it doesn't matter how many square feet are you in your building how much walkable space is there how this is how many people you're allowed to have in there at a given time done and and stop trying to compartmentalize it into categories that people can fight yeah oddly normal ones is like the fire code yeah like fire marshals so, manage how many people are allowed in a room let's figure that out 
And I understand yeah, that, that argument. I think it's a fine argument. The problem I have with that is in the in a perfect world, everybody would sit, stay the, the thousand square feet. Everybody would disperse perfectly sure. within that thousand square feet. The problem is, is that's not how it is. We're social being. We're going to clump together. We're going to create circles. We're going to talk. We're going to enjoy each other's company. And that's where the issue happens. It's not necessarily that I've got 20 people per thousand square feet. It's that I've got 20 people within a five foot radius. And yeah. yeah, sure, it's only 20 people within a thousand square feet, but we're all within a five foot radius. Yeah. And at that point. Yeah, but what- that's a separate problem to the, the issue, the, the issue that we're talking about with, you know, what's getting shut down versus what isn't, because yes, that is a problem because people are going to clump together, but it's also going to be across the board where right now we're saying like, well, you're essential, but you're not, you know, I had a friend of mine who, who works at a, uh, a food plant and he never, he never once got any time off. He was deemed essential. They make pie. That's not essential. <laughs> That's yeah. dessert, but food service industry, they kept, you know, they kept working. Um, and then somebody who worked in a different type of plant would lose their job for uh, three months or more, get furloughed and possibly never go back because they worked at a eyeglasses lab. So it's this distinction of what is essential and what isn't essential. And well, you have to allow churches to be open because it's against the first amendment, but, but it, that's a whole other discussion. But um, hold on, wait, that's a law. That's not designation of essential versus non-essential in a pandemic. Yes, the First Amendment is the, the law of the land, but that in a pandemic, that's 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 not necessarily the end all be all, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it? No, I'm well, that's the thing, is people are going to interpret that law how they want to best suit them. First yeah. Amendment, they're gonna they're gonna pull out First Amendment whenever it suits them. Where oh well, it's against the First Amendment and my freedoms to ch- close down the church. I should be able to go to the church on you know every day. But for the for that same person who maybe isn't religious, but they want to be able to go to their church is the Waffle House. They can't do that. Yeah. I support that religion as well. Whatever, if you want to gather at the Waffle House, I'm I'm in. Look, my 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 uh my church gathers at Cameron Indoor twice a week every week. <laughs> it's <laughs> only true basketball fans. <laughs> I was oh, laughing crazy. because I just wanted to laugh. I don't I didn't know what you were talking about, but I get it. Uh but yeah, I I I just I think I think that they're giving giving too much being too specific with this is kind of what's what's hurt us and what opened up the door to all these arguments. And I'd love to see, um, and I don't think it'll happen, but I think a more a more blanketed like we don't really care who you are. These are just rules. And you're right about the clumping thing. That's going to happen. And when you were talking about that, I was thinking about when people are in a room and you're all like supposed to whisper. How it just gradually gets louder without even trying. You just all start getting mm-hmm. really loud, and you don't mm-hmm. even realize you did it. That's what these gatherings are are like, or that's what these distance. You start walking closer together without even knowing you walk closer together. You just start, yeah. you just start wobbling, and you somehow end up standing next to each other. Oh, how do we get so close? Whoops. Well. The- and the really difficult thing isn't so much for like where I live, where it's easy to not have more than 20 people in a restaurant or whatever. Cause there's just not that many people, but you start talking about 
Southern California or New York or, you know, areas like that where you just don't have the space to be able to spread out if you're out and about. Yeah. And you're out of your house. There just isn't, there's so many people packed into such a small area. So yeah, there's all sorts of things to consider and it's a little crazy. Well, speaking of things to consider, we've got a couple deep dives here and we're, we're deep into the show, but we want to do them anyway. Jacob, hit on. Yeah. let's hit the NFL. Yeah. So NFL, how in the hell are they going to finish this season? I mean, you have the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers game delayed three times. Uh, half the the Ravens team were pretty much out. Um, mm. Yeah, Pittsburgh got a win, but shit, that should be an asterisk there because it was it was without half of the the Ravens team. And then this past weekend, you have the Denver Broncos playing without a quarterback. They literally brought a wide receiver in off the practice squad and started him at quarterback on Sunday. Yep. That's how bad because it got. Played quarterback in college, it was bad. Yeah, they could have done. They could have picked somebody, anybody off the street who probably would have done just as well as this wide receiver did. Um, you have teams like uh, San Francisco who has to deal with Santa Clara. Uh, Santa Clara County pretty much said no contact sports at all is going to happen in our county. Guess where their stadium's located in that county? So now they mm. have to play all their home games in Arizona. Um, <laughs> You've got teams. I, I know I'm, I'm a fan of the Colts. So uh, half of the, I think there were six players out from the on the Colts team this past weekend, um, including four or five starters. So how in the hell are they going to finish this season? Because we've still got a few weeks left. We've got a quarter of the season left, and I'm just I'm I'm expecting just to roll the dice on the end of the season. I just I want to make I want to make it clear that I think that that Denver Broncos situation where they pulled in the wide receiver off the practice field, if it had gone better, had the makings of a future Disney sports movie, <laughs> where oh, the wide crazy. receiver that who's just down on his luck, he's you know past his prime, comes out to play quarterback and takes him to the Super Bowl. I had it, and in some universe, I want to believe that that is occurring right now. It's just not in ours. <laughs> It's just, it's one of those things where, so you have the three major U.S. sports, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. All three seasons have been affected by this. The NBA said, we're going to put everybody in Disney, and it's only going to be the players, and that's where you, that's where all the games are going to take place. So they did the bubble idea. It worked pretty well. They had pretty a couple good. of slip-ups, but overall it worked. Major League Baseball didn't do the bubble thing, and they they had a little bit of trouble early on, but they kind of sort of they got things figured out. They they were able to sort it out, and they got the season in. But the difference between Major League Baseball and baseball as a sport versus football as a sport is that baseball you're spread out. Yeah, you got nine guys on the field and one batter. The the closest you got a couple people that are close to each other, but overall there's not a lot of direct interaction play by play, and it's easy to spread those people out. The football doesn't work that way. Football is mm -hmm. all about the ball is here, and then everybody just creates a big pile. So I didn't when when the NFL season started, I was worried. I, I play fantasy football, and I'm thinking. I don't know if we're even going to finish things out. And now it's just a crapshoot week to week. We had to put in special rules this year for 
when games get postponed and canceled and moved around that you can make a, a roster move later on in the week or or designate a player and say, if he plays, his points count. If he doesn't, this other person's points count type of thing, which we've <laughs> never had to do before because it's just it's crazy week to week. I don't know if they're even going to be able to finish the season. I really don't at this point with the NFL. I, I think we're, we're going to have to see. I mean, we're in a wait and see mode. If something happens like the Ravens team happens more frequently, um, I mean, we've had how many delays of games? How many Tuesday night games or Wednesday afternoon games have we had so far this season? It's been several. Um, yeah. So it's this isn't just an isolated thing that we're talking about. And I have a feeling now that we're talking about getting into these fall months and the winter months, um, it's, it's only going to get worse. And think about the playoffs. So Super Bowl. All of a sudden, let's say hinges on Ben Roethlisberger being available and he tests positive for COVID on Friday before the Super Bowl Sunday. What do you say then? Big Ben, you lose the Super Bowl, right? Um, it, it's it's going to be an interesting ride, I think, toward the end, especially whenever we're talking about uh, the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And we didn't even talk about the fact that the NBA season might be starting up and how that's going to get affected by all this stuff too but yeah i i just i i think the nfl has done the best job that they could do but i never i never was convinced and i'm still not that a full season could happen yeah i mean i think they've made it a hell of a lot further than i thought they were going to make it i thought they were going to make it i will say that to their credit yeah, yeah to they're their rolling credit, in. Gone. They're rolling in on fumes. They're like their car. They're the car in Tommy Boy that's just getting worse and worse <laughs> as they drive it, and and they're gonna they're gonna come in with the door hanging off, <laughs> like a hole in the roof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they they might pull it off, but it's not gonna be pretty. Um, well, and not only that, but an NFL roster. That was the other thing I was thinking of earlier this week. Was was an NBA roster is like 14, 15 guys. A, a baseball roster, I think they expanded them this year. It was like 28 or 30 tops. It was, it's 26 normally, but I think they could have two people in and out. So I think it yeah. was 28 this year. An NFL roster is 53 guys on the main roster, plus the practice squad, yep. which is another... 14? Or no, yeah, seven. Which is, a, is it seven or 14? I can't remember how many are on the practice squad anymore, but that's a significantly larger number. Yeah. On top of the fact that, like I said, it's a full on contact sport like basketball and and football. You're in close contact all the time. So that many people in those close quarters uh, only takes one and it spreads like wildfire. So, well, and on top of that, you have a dozen coaches for every different position. You have two or three coaches. You have Mm -hmm. dozens of people to actually make life happen in that world. Um I mean, each facility has hundreds of people, not tens of people like I think would the uh, an NBA facility would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think about all these sports. Like we, I mean, we didn't even get an Olympics this year. We all kind of glossed over it, but this was right. an Olympic year, you guys. We didn't even get that. This was the year skateboarding was meant to make its debut in the Olympics as a as an Olympic sport, and they didn't get it. Um, and I like, I give it, I think that all these, these different sports had, you know, they did their best. I like the NBA's plan the best. Everybody stays in the same place. We play in the same stadiums. We, we make it work, but, uh, I don't know. know. We'll just see where, we'll see where it goes. 
Well, we'll with football, I'm not 100% convinced you could even – I mean, the, I'm not sure that there is that style of of atmosphere that you can create. Yeah, it's too you many You can't people. put a bubble around them for 16 weeks or 18 weeks or 20 weeks. Yeah. The, I mean, the full – A lot. Yeah, a full-length season, that's not going to work. Well, we it's just, just get too rid long of, to, to enact we, that. We get rid of the teams we know don't do well, uh, and we just bring in the ones that we know, like the top 10 teams that actually have a shot. You don't bring in the Lions. You say you guys are sitting it out this year, but we're going to have the Patriots <laughs> no and the Broncos. Honestly. and the, That's my point. Nobody will notice because these are teams that don't win. You just find the teams that don't win, and you leave them at home and say you're too dangerous, but we're going mean, to have the Steelers and the Broncos and the Patriots and the Giants or whatever play. Oh well, Giants in all win. fairness, the Giants would be there because even though they're what four and seven right now, I think yeah. they're leading that division. They're okay. the best yeah, team at four and seven in that division. <laughs> there you go. Calling that division a dumpster fire is an insult to dumpster fires, though. I mean, <laughs> it's bad. It's a tire. Honestly, fire the ACC is a better is better football than the NFC East. Ooh, I don't know. That's that's uh, pretty close. Og just corrected me. You wouldn't have the Broncos. I I don't know football teams that are good. I just know that what <laughs> my football knowledge is like from ten years ago when I was like, oh yeah, there's guy. I don't know them. I don't know who's good anymore. Uh, but speaking of future and where we're going, let's do some crystal ball. We've got Christmas coming up. Uh, we got people going home to see families again after Thanksgiving. They might have made it out unscathed at Thanksgiving, but they're gonna go back because it's Christmas time mm-hmm. and. Uh, you've got families that went to one family for Thanksgiving or going to their other family for Christmas. Uh, what do you guys think we're looking at uh, post leading up or post Christmas in terms of of cases and, and overall na- national condition, I guess? It's going to get worse before it gets better yeah. with with the holiday and everything that you just mentioned. It's we're going to keep trending up. We haven't seen the surge from Thanksgiving yet. That's going to be next week, end of next week. We'll start seeing that. And, yeah, I it will get worse before it gets better. I'm hopeful that more people will see some of the fallout from Thanksgiving and try to be more responsible, but my hope only goes so far. Yeah. Yeah, and to kind of follow that up, I, I agree. The, the biggest question I have is, the folks that were exposed at Thanksgiving, are they going to be sick enough to actually one, get a test and two, um, adhere to some kind of social distancing or quarantining, um, regimen. Uh, if they don't even know that they're sick, then Christmas is going to be an absolute nightmare because then you're going to have a whole bunch of people that are sick going to other family members' houses, just getting them sick at that point because they got it at Thanksgiving and, and potentially have, have, uh, have left for, for the second set of holidays and potentially infecting others, um, especially within same households and delayed interactions and et cetera. So it, it's almost the perfect storm relative to COVID. Um, we're mm-hmm. still, schools are still operational right now. Uh, daycares are still operational. Um, we're still sending kids. We're still sending, uh, families to work. We're still sending everybody out. Um, gyms are still open guys. So, um, shopping too. Shopping. It's yeah. Christmas yeah. shopping season. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw some of the photos from black Friday, but there were, there were stores that were packed full of people. 
So and and like with on, with the online shopping, you would think we'd be at a different place now, but you still got grandma who doesn't know how to use Amazon, so she's going going to Target and wandering around mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's we're we're not at that point yet. We were talking about pre pre show the PS5 release and how retailers are actually making you come in uh, to pick up your PS5. You cannot get it delivered um, to some stores, and and we were talking about how that's a that's a protective mechanism against scalpers, so they can't just bulk order five of them to different addresses and get them delivered. They actually have to physically come to the store. But they have to physically come to the store uh, with everybody else. I remember when I went to pick up uh, a new cooler for my computer because my old one burned out. Um, I had to. I had went in and the lady's like, I've been here since 6 a.m. We did the PS5 release this morning. And I was like, whoa, really? She's like, there were tons of people here picking up their PS5s for the week. And she didn't really seem to think anything of it. I'm like, there are a bunch of people here with all together hanging out in this store and waiting for their PS5 at 6 a.m. Um, yeah, I mean... It- if if you can get things delivered, get it delivered. If you can order things and not leave your house, do that. If you know someone who can't do that, offer to help them with it. I know that sometimes helping grandma can be frustrating, but take the time and try try to help her out if you can. Uh, you know, I am in a situation where I can't get groceries delivered. There's no one that delivers to my house. I am able to do curbside pickup, which is as close as I can get to that. And I am doing that when, yeah, whenever yeah. possible and limiting the the trips. But you just have to like, that's just the, the responsible thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think I'm doing something very similar. I do mostly curbside pickup. I don't necessarily get them delivered, but curbside pickup is, is just as effective in a lot of situations. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's what I'm currently doing. And, and Og makes a good point. If this translates into increases of death then then yeah, we're, we're going to have, we're going to get that kick in the nuts, but here's the problem, Og. It already has. I mean, if you look at a lot of places, they're seeing more deaths today than they've seen any other day in the United it's in a lot of these places since COVID has had started. Um, so it's not necessarily increase in death rate, it's increase in numbers. And yes, we're getting better at treating this. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we could go out there and just get everybody sick and fewer people are going to die, and that should be okay. Um, there's still a lot of people dying. I know in today in North Carolina, more people died today than had died in, since really cor- first person got coronavirus back in March. Yeah, and I mean, I hear, I've heard two times from a person close to me, they're like, yeah, I know this guy, and he, he got COVID, and he's got a... Uh, a couple comorbidities or one issue that that's fighting him. And it's like, he's just getting worse. Went to the yeah. hospital, almost had to go on a ventilator before it, they decided to give it some time. And he, he came back. Yeah. Uh, but like we talked about a ventilators of quarter, you know, 25% chance or 75% chance. You don't come off of that ventilator. I can't remember what the, what the numbers we had early on, but they were bad. Yeah. Were bad 25%. That, if you went on a ventilator, there was a 25% chance you would never come off. Yeah, which is high when you're talking about your life. Like the last mm-hmm. thing you're gonna see is a doctor shoving a tube down your throat, and then you're gonna be dead. Uh, and that's not the way you want to go out. So and it's we gotta we gotta do better, y'all. We gotta do better. And I know everybody listens to this show knows that because anybody who doesn't want to do better listens to the show for five minutes and turns it off because we don't fit the storytelling that, that they want. Yeah. Um, but I mean, well, and the- maybe, maybe not though, because I mean, we had the white house come out today. The task force for the white house come out today and said, Holy shit, guys, we're in dire <laughs> straits. 
Shouldn't yeah. that be a wake up call to those people who follow the White House administration? Dire. I mean, I don't. Never mind. No, I'm, it I'm, won't don't. work, Jacob. It <laughs> won't work. They listen to one voice, and that one voice is not telling them to be careful. Yeah. Uh, well, that and, one, one voice isn't really saying much these days. Actually, yes, yeah, the election was whatever. Was yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's real great. It's real. What what country it's do fine. we live it's all in? Fine. Everything, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, it's, we're all fine here. How are you? Uh, so anyway, this yeah, was a great show. We're going to end the show there. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will. We will. So uh, everything's going to be great. You guys remember, as, t- as TV's Travis sweater shirt says, don't panic. Uh, That's right. It's, it's all going to be fine. Uh, you can't control anything other than what's going on in your brain and your attitude. So we just do our best not to worry. Control yourself. And uh, try to advise your your parents and loved ones and friends when you can if they're being foolish. Uh, keep a wise counsel, I think is what we're trying to say. And you could not find a wiser counsel than the staring at goats crew. Because uh, we certainly would love to toot our own horns, say we know what we're doing. Jacob has creds, so you know we got that going for us, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> Travis and I just talk on the internet, so that, you know, whatever. That's <laughs> secondary. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. hold on. Wait. You guys have been doing this for over a decade. I don't want to hear it. That is cred all by itself. Sure. Yep. It makes me fully qualified to talk about coronavirus on the internet. Uh, so yeah. anyway, uh, thank you all for listening to us, being here with us. Uh, we appreciate you. If you have any feedback or anything you want to tell us, be sure to email staring at goats podcast at gmail.com with your thoughts, ideas, stories. Stories are cool. Like if you got a story about somebody you met, some angry thing that happened. Uh, do that. Also, if you use the Anchor app, you can actually call us up with a voicemail kind of thing. You can just hit a button and say, hey, it's me, and I can play those on the show, which would be really cool. Or I can play them at the end or whatever. We can figure it out. So that's a really cool thing to do. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention at staring at goats podcast at gmail.com is that if you have any answers to the questions that sometimes we we just throw out there and, and ask each other. I would love to hear it. Things like what should Absolutely. we be doing as a, as a country relative to shutting things down or not shutting things down. I would love to hear what your thoughts are because the bottom line is, is that there's a lot of opinions out there and I'd like to hear them. Mm-hmm. Same. Absolutely. We, we want your feedback. Give us the feedback. Yes. I was trying to, uh, to oddly said he emailed and I don't have it. Uh, and I don't know why not, and that's a problem. So we'll have to. And uh, if your feedback is Duke sucks, don't send it. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's not, it's not Just, useful. That's that's, <laughs> that's that's about as useful as tits on a bull. Let's try productive productive <laughs> feedback. Uh, that's pretty good, Jacob. That is pretty good. Well, anyway, oddly, I'm sorry if you did email. I don't have it in the inbox. I don't know what happened. We'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, it, you can also support us on Patreon if you enjoy what we do and, and enjoy horseshoe and hand grenades. Tudarks.net slash support. Uh, we'll get we'll get you to the place where you can toss us a buck or whatever for the hard work we do to bring you the hard hitting news. Also, don't forget Friday is our annual charity stream. Toys for Tots. We're gonna be collecting money for them from 8 a.m. to like 10 ish p.m. Sometime in the evening. It's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of games we're going to play. I've got tons of stickers to give away. I've got books to give away. Um, that's going to be amazing. So if you if you want to be a part of that, we would uh, we would love to to see you there. So swing by at any time during the day, and, and someone will be here to say, hey, and thanks for, thanks for stopping in. Uh, spread the word if you can't be there. 
Twitter is a great way to say, hey, go check out these guys. They're friends. Do this. Um, and to st- thank you for the support from all our Patreons, by the way. Hammer Dwarf, Og, Adam, and Christina of Geek. I'm oddly normal one and our parents who keep the lights on. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another uh, episode of Staring at Goats. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh. Man.